Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. Sometimes there are some subjects that just need to be talked about again. And uh, I, I preached on peace last summer. And yet at the same time, I'm thinking, well, we need to talk about that again. Now, the, the text that I chose was one regarding the announcement made to the uh, shepherds that were in the field uh, at the birth of Jesus. They were announcing his coming, and it was a bucolic arrangement, a, a scene, very peaceful scene. The shepherds were in the field tending their flocks. And we can just imagine the, the serenity and the quietness that pervaded in that area. And the angel made the announcement, peace and goodwill toward men. Now, peace is a dominant factor in our lives. It is a social and natural, national interest. It is a personal interest. Peace is absolutely necessary for survival. That is, psychological survival, emotional survival, and national and social survival. If we don't have peace, if we don't have quietness and tranquility, the absence of hostility, unity, freedom from belligerence, concord, smoothness, serenity. If we don't have that, then we have trouble. And a long time ago, there was a statement made in the book of Job that's kind of stuck with me. In Job chapter 5, verse 7 says, Man that's born of woman is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. So just as surely as you start a fire, a campfire, and you watch the sparks rise during the night and see the sparks go up, know this, that you have been born to trouble. There is trouble on the horizon. Now, unless we are personally involved in disputes and disagreements and unrest and hostility and aggressive behavior, we sometimes lose track of the fact that, that bad things are going on that are disrupting harmony, that are tearing at the fabric of our psyches, that are, that's trying to tear us down and, and make life miserable for us. The world was in unrest when Jesus came. And the angel said, peace and goodwill toward men. God wants peace. But we are all familiar with the fact that peace did not prevail over the whole world and has not since the day of Jesus. And it was not a peaceful environment even during his time. When Jesus was born, his parents had to literally take him out of the country because he was threatened by Herod, who was determined to take his life. He didn't know it, of course. He was an infant. But his parents, Joseph and Mary, spirited him away to Egypt and when things settled down, they came home, they came back, from, and they were in Bethlehem. They came back and an angel warned them, be careful. And so they diverted from going to Bethlehem again, apparently, 
and they went to Nazareth because there was still an unrest in that country. The world has often sought peace. The, the world wants everything to settle down. Nations want that. And yet Jesus said, and we know, we know from a fact and we know from history and we know from experience that there is no peace that prevails in this world. It doesn't prevail. Jesus said in John 16 verse 33, He said, These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. So we're going to talk about peace on an individual basis rather than peace on a national or a social or a familiar basis. We're going to talk about peace in terms of what you can do or you should do in order to maintain equanimity in your life to make sure that you're not always upset, that you're not always disturbed, that you're not always anxious, that you're not always concerned about someone else that you're not always being barraged by emotions that you can't handle, or that you're not making that uncomfortable in the life of other people. In the time of Jesus, the Roman Empire, and of course I want to finish this text. He said, he said in me you might have peace, in the world you will have tribulations. You will have disturbance. He said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So now then, if I want peace personally, I'm going to have to seek it not from the world, but I will seek my peace from Jesus of Nazareth because he's the one who promised that he can give that peace. And I think that's what was being mentioned in Luke chapter 2 and verse 14 when the angel said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. In the time of Jesus, the Roman government imposed peace. They were, they were world rulers, world leaders. And they were the first government, actually, that got the concept, the concept that they would rule in peace, that they would bring peace, not just rule over the world, because the, the Chaldeans had been world rulers, and the Persians and the Medes had been world rulers, and the Grecians had been world rulers. But now the Romans came along and said, we're going to rule the world, but we're going to make things settle down. We're going to rule in peace. We're going to get everybody peaceful. You remember Jesus said you can't have it. But they said we're going to have that. We're going to have peace. We're going to make peace in the world. Though They only had two things. Two things they required. When they came into a country, when the Romans, by their military might, came in and subdued a nation, they allowed the nation two privileges only. First of all, they said, you can... Control yourself as long as you pay taxes. We want money, want your money. And secondly, as long as you don't create a disturbance, we want you to be peaceful. Now we know that when Jesus arrived, arrived on this earth, the Roman government was ruling the world and ruling that area. Matter of fact, that's exactly why Jesus went to Bethlehem to be born in the womb of his mother Mary. Because in Luke chapter 2 at verse 1 it says, It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Everybody's going to have to pay taxes. He said this, taxes was first, this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. Then all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. 
And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So, David's father, earthly father and mother, went to pay their taxes, Bethlehem. And while Jesus was on this earth, the, the issue of taxation came up in his life, and he paid taxes. Matter of fact, he said that he did. In uh, Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 17, there was an issue that took place at that time when people were trying to get Jesus to ensnare himself with his words, which it's pretty easy to do for us, but it wasn't for him. They were trying to get him to say something wrong, and so they were trying to get him to say that he would not pay taxes to the Roman government. So they said, Tell us, therefore, what do, what do you think? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you tempt me, you hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he said unto them, Who is this image and superscription? They said unto him, Caesar's. Then said he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, unto God the things that are God's. So basically, and they, of course they shut up. They didn't know, didn't know what to say about that. But basically, <coughs> what Jesus was saying was, I'm, I'm going to pay my taxes. We pay taxes. In Luke chapter 23, at verse 1 and 2, when we talk about peace now, that, that's, that's the taxation end of it. The Romans said, if, if you will let you rule your own nation, so here, here was Jesus in the nation of Israel, the Jews as it were, and they were self-governing, but they had to pay taxes, and that galled them. Nobody likes to pay taxes. Nobody wants to pay taxes. Well, they didn't want to pay taxes, but Jesus said, pay your taxes. And his parents paid their taxes. But now then, how about disturbances? How about stirring up some kind of trouble in the government? Well, it says in, it, that uh, in Luke chapter 23, at verse 1 and 2, when they took Jesus' custody... And brought him to Pilate. You know what they accused him of? They accused him of being a troublemaker. That he was stirring up trouble in the nation of Rome under their auspices. It said they began to accuse him saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ our king. So they had two accusations against him. He's perverting the nation. He's stirring up trouble. And he's not paying taxes. He doesn't want to pay taxes. When Pilate examined him, he said, he said, I, 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 don't, I don't see me. I, I didn't see this. I'm not finding this in Jesus. In Luke chapter 23, verse 21 through 23, it says, They cried, saying, Crucify him. Crucify him. They're yelling this at Pilate. He said unto them the third time, why? What evil has he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will there chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priest prevailed. Now, the problem with that was that they could not find that Jesus was creating trouble in the, with the government. He wasn't creating trouble. He was, he was paying his taxes and he was being a decent, peace-loving citizen 
under Roman government. Well, as long as you pay your taxes and you be quiet under the Romans, we'll have peace. Now that was called, and here's, here's, there, there, there have been three times in the history of the world where three world powers have tried to impose peace on the whole world. One was the Roman government. And it's called Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. And it began uh, under Augustus, before Jesus, in the first century. And it continued until the, the reign of Marcus Aurelius in the third century. And that's where it ended. Peace ended. World peace was not was not obtained after that. The world was plunged into chaos and continued in such a way. So there was no such thing as Roman peace after Marcus Aurelius. The second time there has been an effort to have world peace was under the empire of Great Britain. And this began in 1815 and ended in 1914. And it was said at one time, and Great Britain intended to bring peace to the whole world. And this, this was said at one time that the sun never set on the British Empire. That meant that they were, they'd spread themselves over the whole world. And they intended to bring peace. And it's called Pax Britannica. Britannia. Peace of Britain. The third time that it was attempted is right where we sit in the United States of America. After World War II, 1945, that's when the United States of America attempted, started to attempt to bring peace to the whole world. And it ended in 1991. Historians agree on this. So, we're living in a time, of course we know, we're living in a time that's not peaceful. Hasn't been peaceful during our lifetime. Since 1991, the effort has completely failed. The point we're making is that national, international, social peace is unobtainable by force. It just can't be done. It can't be done. And there are reasons for this. And the reasons, of course come back to the individual. And the individual then accumulating power by grouping or by amassing individuals who believe as they do and then create disharmony. Peace in this world is elusive. Everyone recognizes the value of peace. But few of us are privileged to enjoy long periods of peace in our lives. Now we know, we, we have lived through a, a lot of turmoil. There are wars all over this country, and not in this country only, but in other countries. You know, after 1945, there was the Korean conflict, then the Vietnam conflict, and, and now we've had conflict in, uh, in Arabia. And there's conflict around Israel in the Near East. And there's conflict with uh, China. And there's going to be conflict 
There's just going to be conflict. World peace is not attainable, basically. You're not going to get governments quit disturbing and quit aggravating and quit raising turmoil and, and difficulty. And you're not going to get people to quit. You're going to be, and you may be part of it, you're going to be aggravating people for being aggravated. You're going to be disturbed and you're going to be disturbing people. You're going to be upset by what people say to you and what people do to you and how people treat you. And the closer they are to you, by family or by friends, friendship, the worse it's going to be. There's going to be disruptions in your life. The very experience of humanity testifies to the difficulty of human beings being able to exist together in harmony. It just has never happened. And the only place it's going to happen is not going to be in this world. So, we have to prepare ourselves for the fact that peace is going to be difficult to produce and it's going to be exhaustive to maintain. So whatever peace you have in your life, in your heart, in your family, in your friendship, it's going to be tough to get it, and it's going to be extremely hard to maintain it. It will be exhausting. It is very easy to upset someone else by harsh words, by hateful statements, by mean acts. You know, why do you suppose Jesus said we're going to be judged by every word that we speak? It's because when we say things that are mean and nasty and ornery, things that we know will upset someone else, we know what we're doing. Let's become practical about this. I'm talking, about, I'm talking to believers. We understand what it takes to get somebody else upset. And we understand what it takes for us to have the ability to keep our mouth shut and not say something that's going to hurt somebody else and disturb them. We know what it is. We know how tough it is to just be quiet. You know, Paul, Paul told the church at Thessalonica, he said, mind your own business. Mind your own business. Learn to mind your own business. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. Be quiet and mind your own business. Okay. We know how tough it is when we want to say something that we know will hurt someone else because we either want to retaliate or because we've had our feelings hurt. We know how tough it is to bypass that situation. We know it will create problems. We know it will create a disturbance. We know it will upset someone else. We know that. We know it in our heart. We know it in our mind. We know it in our soul. We know how to get people aggravated and upset. We know how to do that. And it is extremely tough to shut up, to be quiet, and not say anything and let the moment pass and let it go on and finally get to the point that it does not upset someone. I, I'm talking to people who understand exactly what I'm talking about. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we submit ourselves to a course of action that requires that we personally pursue peace. 
Not that we want everything right in our lives, but it's our responsibility personally that we make sure that we do not upset someone else. By our words, by our actions, by our deeds, by how we behave ourselves. And we know how to do it. We know how to get people aggravated and embroiled and upset and having unpeaceful moments of life. We know what it's like to be anxious. We know what it's like to lose sleep. We know what it's like to, to feel like uh, we have been abused. We know what it's like to feel like that we're, we're the only ones doing something, but that's the point. Our point is, at this, at this juncture, as believers, it is our responsibility, personally, to maintain peace. Maintain peace. It's my responsibility to make sure that I do not upset you. I'm saying it plainly. There are three relationships in the New Testament. Talking to believers now. There are three relationships in the New Testament that are produced by faith. The first is grace. By grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves is it is a gift of God. The second is mercy. God has mercy on us. He has patience with us. He just he's just going to overwhelm us with His love and His mercy and take care of us and forgive our sins. And the third is peace. That's the third thing that is produced by faith. Peace. Now, in all the letters in the New Testament, I, I think the reason I came back to this subject after six or seven months is because I, I, keep, I keep running into situations where folks are being disturbed and upset and upsetting each other about, uh, uh, about different things. It doesn't make any difference what it is. Right now, it's, it's the uh, issue of, the, of COVID-19 and this issue of whether or not it's a political issue and so forth. Right now, it's in, it, it could be war. It could be disharmony among, among society and so forth. Whatever it may be, as Christians, we're in the big middle of it because we live on this earth right now. And so we have to maintain or have to think about trying to, to get ourselves into a state of tranquility and serenity, but not just ourselves, but we're uh, responsible to make sure that you, my brother and sister in Christ, that you experience peace. It's my job to bring peace to you. That's what the Bible teaches. I'm going to show you. The apostles wrote letters after the New Testament was started. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tells us about the life of Jesus. The book of Acts tells us how the church began and how the gospel was preached. And then all of a sudden you run into letters. They're called epistles. Paul wrote most of them. And then Peter, John, and James wrote some. So you have individuals writing epistles. And you know, in the, in the beginning of each of these men, each of these men started their salutations by saying this. They said, Grace and peace be unto you. You know what they were saying? They were saying, well, well first of all, let's understand this. That grace means God, li God likes you. That's what it means. Basically, God likes you. Noah found grace in his eyes of the Lord. Remember that? 
God looks down and he says, he likes you. So Paul's saying, remember this, grace to you from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. God likes you. And the next one was, and peace. Be nice to each other. That's what he's saying. And peace. That's what he wants. He wants us to bring about peace and serenity and calmness and quietness in our lives and in the lives of those that we touch. That's what he's saying. Get peaceful. Now, every one of the books, not every one of the books, but every one of these writers of these books, began their salutations of their books with that. Grace, mercy, and peace. Sometimes they used mercy. But Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, tells us why he says this. He says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, when Paul used grace and peace in his introductions of his books, he also, to Timothy and Titus, he added the word mercy. But basically, these two terms are used, grace and peace. And the first was, God likes you. The second was, get along with other people. Get along. That word peace, that's, that's the only thing it can mean. Peace has to do with our relationship to other people. Not just our relationship to God, because we can always have peace with God. God loves us. God's, God's concerned about us. He likes us. We need to have peace with everybody else. Romans chapter 2, verse 10 says, Glory and honor and peace to every man that works good. What did he say? Glory, honor, and peace. How do I get peace? I work at it. It doesn't just overwhelm me. And it doesn't just blanket you. Peace comes because I work at it. I do something to get it. In James 3 verse 18, it says, The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So now, 1 Peter chapter 3 at verse 11, the, this is the theme of this sermon. Let him eschew evil, let him reject evil, and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. Now, we know that Jesus said that we can expect trouble in this life from government. He said in the world you can, you're not going to have peace, in me you shall have peace. But now the, the, the point is, how do we get it? How, how can I be at peace with people that I love? The first thing I mentioned a while ago was we keep our mouths shut. We learn to be quiet and to do our own business. First Thessalonians 4 verse 11. And that's tough. That may be one of the hardest strictures that we have. We get into a conversation with our mate with our children, with our parents, with our neighbor, with our friends, whatever it may be, and we haven't learned to make sure that we don't try to stir them up, agitate them, irritate them, make life hard for them. And it may seem like it's just, it's, it's just really not, not that serious. It's just a minor thing. But it is serious. Because God said, you, He told me, He said, Bill, you get out there and make some peace. You make some peace. 
Don't do anything that'll aggravate people. Don't say anything that'll stir them up. Don't hurt anybody. Make some peace. That's what he said. What do we do? Now, sometimes things happen that I have no control over. Obviously, when we talk about the world and we talk about world wars and we talk about conflicts and so forth, I don't have a lot of control over things like that. As a matter of fact, I don't have any. The only control I have in this country, basically, to help other people is to vote or to make my presence known of what I stand for in terms of uh, the goodness of the Word of God and so forth. But there are things that come in my life that I don't have any control over. Now, and, and Jesus said this in Luke chapter 12, verse 51. He says, Suppose ye that I came to give peace on earth, I tell you not, but nay, rather division. He said, Some of the things I'm going to do and say are going to create problems. Okay. Now, we know that Jesus created problems because of what he said, what he taught, that was right. He taught the truth, and he, he taught about uh, relationships that we have with our God and with our Father. But he said, he said there's, there's going to be a time come that uh, you're going to have problems in your own household. He said in the next, next phrase, he said, From henceforth there will be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He said that there's going to be problems in families. Now what he's basically talking about, he's talking about sinful things that go on. So in our family, if we take a stand with Jesus Christ and say we're going to follow him, we're not going to follow the opinions and the habits and the traditions of our family, it's going to cause trouble. We know that. So there are things that we cannot avoid when it comes to peace. There's things that, that are beyond our control. There are issues in, in our life that, that we just cannot come along and, and take charge of. And that, this is one of them. And he said that there'd be problems among our social context. You remember that? He said, if a man smites you on the one cheek, turn the other also. Well, you didn't, unless you caused that, unless you aggravated him enough to get him to slap you, that's probably not what he's talking about. He's talking about someone who just decided that they're going to be mean to you. He said, turn the other cheek. Try to, he said, and try to get out of that situation. Get away from that situation. So there are issues where, that will come up that, you, that we don't have a lot of choice in. But he said, here's the way you handle it. He said, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Uh, bless them that curse you and do good them that uh, hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And then, of course, there are problems in our own home and our, our uh, closest relationships with our children, with our mates. Problems come up. Difficulties come up. People misbehave. What we're, we're not talking about trying to get someone else to do what you think they should do that's right or wrong. Because that usually ends up badly. When we're talking about peace, we're talking about what we do, not what we require someone else to do. That's why Pax Romana didn't work. That's what Pax Britannia, Pax Britannia didn't work. 
That's why Pax Americana doesn't work. You cannot force someone to be peaceful, to quit their quit what they're doing. That's wrong. You can't force it. It won't work. Peace, tranquility, quietness, lack of turmoil is obtained individually. The government or the society is totally incapable of granting peace. It can't be enforced and it can't be imposed on anyone else. You can't impose it on your mate. You can't not impose it on your lover. You cannot impose it on your friend. The place where peace begins and ends is in you. How you behave and what you do, what I do. Peace with God is easily obtainable. If I want to settle down, if I want to be quiet and tranquil, I can find peace with God. You know, Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says, The peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So when I am upset, when I'm worried, when I'm anxious, I know that I can flee to God and He will embrace me and pull me into His warmth of His love and His care. And He can say, settle down. I will take care of you. That's what Jesus said. He said, don't you worry about what you're going to wear. Don't you worry about what you're going to eat. Don't you worry about where you're going to live and sleep. Because seek you first the kingdom of heaven. Get in my arms and all these things will be added unto you. And in the extreme event that everything goes totally wrong, he said, I'll receive you into eternal places of glory. I'll take you home with me. So, we can get peace, we can have peace with God very easily. We just come to Him and say, wrap us up in the arms of your love and He'll calm us down. He'll personally see us through with His assurances. He'll take charge of our lives and our destinies, our finances, our prospects, our future situations, our unexpected emergencies. He'll take care of all that. Because He loves us and He'll give us peace. Our relationship with our family members and our neighbors may not be resolved so easily. May not be. We, we, really, we really have to get practical in this matter of peace. Sometimes we just have to get away out of a situation that's distressful. We just need to get away from it. Matter of fact, several times... The Bible says that uh, here's, the way you, here's the way you get things resolved. For instance, whatever you had would that men do to you, you do to them also, Matthew seven twelve. So that, that helps. But what if they don't respond? He said, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that despisefully use you and hate you and pray for them which despisefully use you and persecute you. Well, okay. He's not saying it's going to end. He said, this is how you handle it with yourself, what you do. Our relationship with society can sour. It can sour with our friends. It can sour with our mates. It can sour with our children. It can sour with our parents. It can sour. And the the one thing that, that God tells us to do in order to overcome is to love our enemies. And love those that persecute. So love is the, love is the uh, 
panacea. And yet, I'll remind you of the fact that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, but that did not change the whole world. So you can love your your parents, you can love your spouse, you can love your mate, you can love your children, you can love your neighbors, you can do all that, and that may not change them at all. It may not change them at all. So what do you do? What do you do? You just keep on doing it. Because love because peace is not easy. It's not it's not easily to, to gain and grasp. And it's not easy to maintain. It just isn't. You, you have to work at it and continue to work at it and make sure that you do not give up. Our relationships with society, our relationship with others, that's what we're talking about when we talk about peace. We are given assurance that peace is possible in our lives. Things will settle down. We can come to God and He can settle us down. And it will settle down with our neighbors and friends if For instance, we take ourselves out of that stressful situation, get away, move away. You know, there isn't always a one, two, three, here's the way it's done in the New Testament as to how things happen. You you have to use your mind and your heart to understand what goes on. So for someone to say, here's a woman who's living in a situation where her husband is battering her, that in order for her to gain peace is just to continue to submit to this man and let him continue to pummel her is not wise. Jesus made that same point in, in uh, Matthew chapter 10. He, he said, when you go out to preach the gospel and you come into a house, let your peace reside on it. Matthew 10, the first few, few verses. He said, if it's not there, leave. Shake the dust off your feet and get away. So practically, he doesn't ask us to be ignorant about how to handle matters. So practically, if the woman is in that sort of a situation and she's being brutalized, what does she do? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14 says he's called us to peace. Get away. Get out of that situation. You don't need to be there. That's practical, you see. And the same thing with any kind of situation where it just our presence continues to aggravate and irritate and people will not settle down and get quiet. We know what it's like when a storm blows in and stirs up the water and the clouds and the tempest is raging around us. We know what it means when it all quits and calms down and how nice that is. Sometimes you just have to get out of the storm. Just get away from it. The point is, if you cannot make peace, if you cannot make the peace, then get out of the situation that's unpeaceful. Get away from it. Take care of yourself and take care of those that you love and stay away from those, those things. And don't say things to people. Don't continue to stir them up and don't be stirred by them. If they continue to stir you up and aggravate you, quit talking. Get smart. We're not, we're not dumb. If someone continues to tell me things that, that disturb me and disturb me, it's foolish for me to continue to listen to that. You understand? There are certain things in the Bible that do not need to be 
chalked out for us and diagrammed on the blackboard for us certain things we know. And what we know is we should be pursuing peace. Seek peace and pursue it. You be the peacemaker, not the agitator.